didn't even see it. Yeah. Uh, bought this at the um, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, that's really lovely. I like that. Disc jockeys are almost a dying breed nowadays. Yeah. I mean. It's all automated, let alone AI. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. just wait for that, yeah, right? Yeah, that's You're not going to need anybody actually in the studio. You can just have a little robot doing it all for you. Definitely. Sound production for theatrical pieces now is all computerized. You push that button and the lights do what they need to do. Yeah. You don't have a human component except for the programmer. Wow. Is a lot of that being implemented even we're, at the we're theater on level? right now? Oh, yeah, yeah, we're going <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, thank you. He just kind of eases us hey, in. I, I appreciate it. Scott's a pro. He's used to my <laughs> format. Yeah, yeah, I've been here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but are you guys doing a lot of that for theater? Are you using AI at that level or that's a little higher up? Uh, I think that's a little higher up. I'm not... I am not on our switch on switchboard no, lighting. Yeah. No, it's. I don't think they do. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. Well, still kind of rudimentary, but you need. And I, I would say yeah. AI is a level down, but. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's got to happen. We talked about this in our last one, but yeah, there's it's it's a definite disruptor in in this industry in this profession as well as lots of others. Yeah, but it's been coming for a long time. Yeah. But I'm guilty. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Until I, I have to. And we were just talking about, you know, you could have like a radio show where, you know, the disc jockey is uh, an AI voice. I mean, think extrapolate it all the way out. The AI voice introduces a song that AI wrote on the moment and is, you know, just. Well, and especially at the theater level where your margins are so tight and you guys aren't bringing in a ton of money. If you can cut costs. And things have changed uh, even on that because of COVID. You know, oh, yeah. we've, I mean, I've been home. I'm really happy sitting there watching Netflix again and again and again. Who wants to get up and get dressed and pay extra money? Um, I think people enjoy it once they come. But we kind of shifted. Uh, and that's not only countrywide, but worldwide. Theater isn't what it, what it was. And people are, going to either make concessions or they will not be you always heard that with movie theaters that those were going to be the first to go and that these streaming software companies were just gonna edge them out but nobody really talked about the theater aspect of that it was a pro i think it's, it was a surprise and i think it was kicked off maybe it, it was happening before but covid sort of put the nail in it because we didn't have to come together in that realm and I, I don't know, as I've been a participant in asking for money for the theater. And I, for me, it's such a loss for kids, especially because in my life, theater saved me. And I'm just thinking of all those other kids that may not have theater at this disposal. And so I'm, I'm torn. I've got 20-year-olds, so I'm... They were raised on a steady diet of theater. Um, how's it going to change? I guess it's a big question mark, really. And um, I have equal parts of trust and, no, no, more trust than anything, but a third of a little dread and a third of a question mark. <laughs> well, change is scary. And especially yes. when change is as fast as the change we're going through right now. There you go. Do you, is that how you got your start was in theater? Yes. <laughs> I was a little elephant. In, um, I was born in England. You know, I was born in England. I'm not going to tell you the years. Um, <laughs> but one of my first 
things of my memories is we were like in uh, school and we were great, which our parents had to help make, our mothers had to help make, and these gray elephant ears and pink inside, and we did a little dance, and we held each other's tail, and that's the first remember memory I had. And then when I was in high school, I wasn't a very good student. I was bored. I couldn't see the point. And it wasn't really until theater sort of woke me up, and it was a cliche. I ended up being president of the theater club and our little trophies and all of that. But what it really opened my eyes to, because I grew up in Teaneck, New Jersey, which was right across the bridge, the George Washington Bridge, to New York. So when you did a school trip to see theater, I took a school trip to see Broadway. You know, that was my diet. I was very, very fortunate. And it woke something in me. Um, uh, a little, I, I don't know, it, it woke a, a vision of life or a permission to envision life. That's what theater gave me. And so when that came to me, then I was then a almost straight A student, AP, you know, pre-law student. And then I went to college and I started to get all these roles in the graduate program at Rutgers. And it was my mother that came to visit me. And she said, Cynthia, why don't you just do what you want to do? Hmm. And that you know, I'm a mother now, so I, 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 I can't put words to what that, that gift was because I could proceed not having to prove anything to anybody because I already had permission to do it. I didn't have to push against somebody. I didn't have to prove myself. So every no I got, it was, okay, up again which is what I say to my kids when they were little. You know, it's not, oh, it's up again. <laughs> and um, and I'm, I'm trying to learn more and more to keep that up again attitude. Well, you almost have to have that to be an actor at some level, right? Yes, or to that's, that's engage true. in theater in any way because you're going to be met with brick walls. Yes. People are going to say no. And if you falter at the first no, you're never going to get anywhere. Mm. And you you have to have a, a large ego. I don't I don't mean this in any derogatory sense to be willing, you know, to get up on stage too. I, I was joking with my wife last night. You know, as a professional speaker, I used to be the president of the Northern California chapter of the National Speakers Association. And when I would welcome the new members every month or guests, I would say, "So by the very nature of the fact, you know, that most people would rather die than stand up on stage." You know, you have a large ego. Add to that the fact that you think people ought to pay you to hear what you have to say. And so I think large ego, and I don't mean that, again, we all have egos. It's it's not like, it, there's a difference between a large ego and conceit. Uh, what was it? Zig Ziglar said, conceit is the only disease that makes everybody sick except the one who's got it. Um, but you have to have the large ego. And so you're exposing yourself out there and getting the nose. I, I, I don't do it professionally. You know, Cynthia did that. Uh, but being turned down even for local community theater, it hurts. Or to have an audience that just doesn't, it's never the audience's fault, but to have an audience that just sits there on their hands, you kind of go, oh my God, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go, I want, at least that's for me. I can't speak to what, what you go through. Audiences feed you, you know. Yeah. And when, when we, when you got a great audience, oh my God, it's, it's the greatest high in the world. 
you know, there, nothing beats it, you know? Yeah, I agree. Well, you're revealing, even in just speaking and getting up on stage, you're revealing a part of yourself in a very authentic way. And so to not be received well, to have people think, oh, this kind of sucked, it's, it's almost a stab in the heart. And that's mm-hmm. on top of getting through the initial no or yes to get up there. Then you have to deal with the audience and try to win them over and bring them to your side. Cynthia has an expression, and I, I'll let you say it, but it's something to do with real feelings and imaginaries. Oh my goodness, you just, I'm so vibing on what you were saying. That just left me. Um, acting is, um, it, it's not authentic, but it's like this, being authentic in imaginary circumstances. That's what, in my opinion, that's what real acting is, is that you are real, but it's the circumstances and where you are, are are not real. So it's the biggest pretend in the way, in the, in the world. It's why it's a play, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And, but the more, in my experience, the more the person or persons can inhabit that world is the more that they take you along with them. And, 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 Different factors can contribute to that. There's the people that create the space or have the imagination of what the space is going to look like. It is the care of the people that come together to build the set. It is the artist that knows how to evoke the feeling that the director is calling for, you know, the more that they're singing together. It's the choreographer, if it's a musical, you know, that has the steps and the music that, that just really wants the audience to be right part of it. It's the director that understands how to interpret um, the words of the playwright and what that dance is and how that dance is different if you're talking about theater or if you're talking about a movie or if you're talking about a sitcom or you're a drama made for television things. That relationship is different. Um, it's just a very interesting a collaborative effort. And sometimes you can do theater in a back alley in New York with just um, flashlights and great material, great actors, and passion. And I've seen that too. Well, I mean, growing up in New York and going to see these Broadway plays from a young age is it must have just been an incredible experience because you're seeing the cream of the crop just I, almost on a daily basis, yes, you're getting to experience that. More than, more, I, as I get older and older, I recognize that I was around at a really uh, fascinating and heightened time. And I, I had a friend that was, while I was going to college, because one of, when I did turn over to the BFA program, I had a friend in New York that worked. What, as what is a, BFA? Uh, Bachelor of Fine Arts. Oh, right. Okay. Um, uh, I used to go to New York and see theater. Of course, it was my my meet, and I met this guy that was a, a, a usher for Broadway. They would assign him shows, 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 and he was my friend. So he would say, "Hey, Cynthia, I'm down doing this show. I got to see Sweeney Todd and um uh, and front row seats because you learn because you're a kid. You are a kid, and so you stand in the balcony in, in the back, not in the balcony, in a standing room, and then the first half of the play." Um, inevitably, somebody would go home, and you'd get these prime seats. And so I, I saw a lot of theater, and I'm uh, that is really so. I have an opinion. 
(laughs) (laughs) I have an opinion. And it's taken me to this time in my life to recognize that I know what I know. And that doesn't mean that I don't beep you up, you know, or uh, or you might not agree with me. Uh, I mean, that's part of the game. Uh, but I, it's a wonderful time in life to kind of sort of draw on all those experiences um, and now dance with different people on stage, but really come from that experience to express whatever we are expressing. How instrumental was it for you having the background as an actor initially before moving into that director role? Did that give you some heightened sense of appreciation for what directors go through or an understanding of how to balance the relationship with your actors? Oh, definitely. I mean, if you're in the business enough, it's it's like I've done movies and then you have an opportunity, to, if you know the cameraman, to go, hey, can I look through the camera and, and I can I look from this point of view and that point of view? And if you... And certainly on stage, it's you're immersed in this piece, and the ones that you've had the most success success for, and the way that they approach, the way that they speak to you, their vision about their play, the plays that they choose, um, the layers that they teach you about the play, and uh, I, I mean, I certainly have that. I about Shakespeare, people having, I I had uh, Michael Nash was his name. He was the artistic director of McCarter Theater. And um, I was really privileged after college to be a, 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 to have my first teaching gig that, I, that paid me. I got paid. And I got a stipend to work at in Princeton, New Jersey. I got an apartment in the middle of the town. Nobody at that time, I'd never heard about that unless you're like a superstar touring a gig. And I was a kid, and I had that. And he was the first man that, um, as a black young woman, it was very interesting the things that I would or would not be cast in. Mm. Um, but uh, I, remem- I remember Michael breaking down the hand-to-hand and kiss scene between Romeo and Juliet. That really was a permission slip for me to go forward and see myself in another way. And not only that, then have the languaging because I had such a good teacher to truly step into that, you know, in a way that was no nonsense because I knew what I was talking about. And and it's been, I've worked with stars. I've worked with, I've worked with a, a really brilliant array of people. I've had the privilege of having a Broadway experience. I've had the privilege of being nominated for a Tony. I've had the, and many other awards. I've had had so many experiences. I'm almost speaking like it's the end, you know. If I die tomorrow, <laughs> you can play this as the last thing that I ever said. Um, oh, no, but no, 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 no. I gotta take that back. But, but, um, but I, it's, it's in a way, it's, it's almost building up to the now, which is this, which is everybody's story, you know. Mm-hmm. But this is the way I've had the opportunity to express it, and I'm so okay. The name of the play is Pintaro by Joe Pintaro, and it's like eight little one-act plays that I had the privilege of actually um, acting in. And uh, I worked at, uh, I was in a repertory co- company for a Circle Repertory Company, and I got to work with everybody. 
stars, J- uh, James Earl Jones, uh, wow. you know, all black artists that came. Sokka Rep was one of the people. Steppenwolf would come down and do their things. It was a height of all of that. And I ended up doing a show with, um, oh, my God, Ordinary People. It was the young man in that. Who's that actor? I'm embarrassed. Dustin Hoff. No, Ordinary People was with Mary Tyler Moore, Donald Sutherland, and their kid was... I don't remember who the kid was. I can see his face. Yeah. But he was a big young star. If anybody's listening to this, they can look it up. Um, I'm bad with memory. Um, and uh, 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 the woman that was in <laughs> oh, the Weeds, Mary Mary Louise pa- Louis Parker. Yeah. So it was him, um, her, and I, all three of us in this. at Circle. So I really got to work with a really interesting array of people. I worked with Mary Luce just before she went to Broadway. And right after that, I went to Broadway. Um, it was just this really cauldron of very interesting young people. Um, I, 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 I don't know that anybody else would be interested, but I like to look through the pages of my own life. And I'm like, okay, that's pretty funny. That's pretty interesting. What was the play you did on Broadway? Uh, or how were some of the plays? It was, well, one, one okay. play on Broadway. I've done a couple of off-Broadway, but Two Trains Running okay. was the name of the play. Was that the one you were nominated for? Yes, yeah. yes. Larry Fishburne and uh, 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 directed by, you know, the Yale professor. Um, oh, my goodness gracious. <laughs> Happens to all of us. Yeah, I know. It's happening more and more these days. Yeah, but quite an array of brilliant people. So that, with a little bit, little bit of Pintaro, I'm in the play, of course, and I was I at North Coast Rep, North Coast Repertory Theater. Um, I've seen some really good stuff. I've seen some stuff that I would prefer to have done differently, but anyway, we've all got our taste. But one of the plays that most stood out to me was Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Morgan Cox played uh, he's Morgan's just one of my favorite people. Um, and then I got to be in a few plays I really liked, but I saw Tiny Beautiful Things last, was that October? Thereabouts? Last fall, yeah, I think it October, was. October, September. And October. Cynthia was the lead. She played Sugar um, and was also the director. And I was just so blown away by it. I said, I, I want to work with Cynthia. Um, and I'm really fortunate now that I get to. But anyway, one of the roles that I'm in is a character called Spook. And Spook, the extent of his dialogue is, and that's it. Because <laughs> you know, he's yeah, well, but it actually, it's a, you know, I mean, it's the my my castmate Heather. Um, she's got all the lines, but she couldn't do what she does unless I do what I do. So I'm doing it all with my face and my body under Cynthia's direction. But when Cynthia was directing me, she said uh, that. Was it the play you were in? You only had ten lines, and that's the one you. Oh yeah, uh, it, she she had very 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 few lines. Yeah. Um, in the play, and nine characters altogether, one woman, myself, and um, uh, yes. But my point, uh, one of the points that I was making, in in talking about how essential that you have to live in this reality, because even with no lines or very few lines, you can live that life so fully. And in terms of the role that I did for two trains running, I mean, there's I got ten, fifteen lines at the most in the piece. And it, 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 one of the major lessons I learned from that piece was that even though I only had these few lines, people were watching me as I walked across the stage and doing a certain thing. So I'm already 
presenting a story. What we're, we're presenting to each other are stories. And your story, even you, though you only have this guttural sound, is as full and as, <laughs> is as nuanced as she with all her words. Yeah. And we cannot forget that. I think people who don't do theater or you do at a different level tend to think that acting is the words you use and the places you go. You know, like, all right, say these words, then go here. And if I just say these words and go here, I'm acting. But, you know, I think I knew intuitively, Cynthia's been bringing it out a lot more in me. It is just so much nuance, you know, in, in that scene, which is called Bird of Ill Omen, <clears throat> when I first appear um, at, you know, Heather's place, uh, Heather plays uh, uh, basically an aging prostitute. Um, and... Uh, I show up. We don't know the story behind why I'm there. We just know I'm an older guy compared to her, and there's some history, and it's worth seeing just to see that. But just as simple as I wear a hat and a coat, and she makes some comment about, uh, oh, my God, that coat and that hat, and she starts to laugh, and I'm supposed to take the hat off. And just the direction in terms of the way I was taking it off, you know, I'm wearing a hat now. I kind of took it off like this, and Cynthia goes, no, 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 it just slides off the side of your head. Just little Actions like that help fill in, you know, he becomes more real, you know. So it's, I've learned a lot from this, and I, I, I'm already dis sad that it's going to end and we haven't even opened yet. <laughs> well, I mean, the experience coming out of it must be insane, especially being able to work under somebody that has the background that you have and just kind of pull out that wealth of knowledge. Well, I, 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 I appreciate your words, and I... I appreciate the appreciation. But in the very moment that Scott was just talking about, m my experience of that was this character that Scott had brought forth, forth and um, how he was presenting it in a way, and I get to be the mirror a little bit away, go, well, if you do that, there's a casualness about that. If you do that... There's this is what I get from that moment. Um, you, maybe you could try something else, um, and that there, that so that we get to the point where it's what we really want to express and the gravity of it that leads to the the as opposed to a tipping of the hat, the pulling down of a hat, and that's what we do. We dance every night <laughs> um, and bring what we see. I get to say what I see. I get to, you know, give maybe the suggestion of my my point of view, but I can't do that unless the actor also brings themselves. How much of that is experience versus just a guttural feeling of, oh, we need to change this movement? Like when you saw that, when you saw him pull the hat off that initial way, did something just not sit right with yeah, you? Or did yeah, yeah. Because, because that said something. That, uh, that already said, that said its own. That, that where this piece is, is not that. It's, it's not, we're talking much seriously. More, it's more serious about it. And the stakes are, the wonderful things about Pintaro is that these, each, each scene is the poking into a window of a certain time on people's lives. And there, it's a time in the li in, in their lives of consequence. <laughs> so we have just opened the door or looked in the window 
when the father has come home drunk and just slapped his wife. And that, that's not one of the stories, but I'm, that's the kind of feeling of it. And so for the actors, it takes, it takes a while to kind of, it's almost you've got to fill yourself up with something, but you also have to relax in order that, so that can come into you also. You can't just act it, you know, because that's not what happens. If, if, a, if a woman has to, if the lights come up and a woman has to really feel what it feels like to have her, her face slapped, there's a kind of uh, freedom that she has to have in order to say yes to that kind of energy infecting her body. And as to any person that's a he, she, they, you know, everybody. Um, and you know what? I, I, the thing that I can say is it's the theater that I enjoy. That's where I, whatever um, talent I may have or not have, um, I can only offer that which really brings me excitement. And I've been in this business for a hell of a long time and a whole lot of um, capacities. And, you know, some people may just call it my point of view, and I'm okay with that. And But I kind of feel, especially after um, Tiny Beautiful Things, which I had worked with uh, before, um, the, I, I, you know, I was like, okay, oh my gosh, I haven't done this in a long while. I certainly haven't done it here. What are they going to think? What is my point of view? My Even my... My step towards the rehearsing is different than I see anybody doing here. And I was very, very pleased by the company feel that we all created and a shared language that we all came to up on stage so that we, all, all of us created this world. And we sort of danced within that world. So even when things broke down and there was a problem, we could still... Um, be uh, uh, truthful in that imaginary circumstances. And as a director, to see it. And as a actor, to be in the midst of that. And as an audience, audience member, to see and be privileged to experience that. That's yes, yes, and yes. I think part of Cynthia's skills, uh, skill is uh, she's very intuitive. Um, I'm, I, and I say that because that's something that's always fascinated me. I like to consider myself intuitive, be able to understand the motivation about why somebody, you know, no, we aren't just zombies. We're just walking around the street compo- controlled by, uh, by impulse. Um, there's motivation behind what we do. And it's, it goes by so blindingly fast that we don't even realize that we were motivated to do it. But to stop and slow that down and go, okay, why did somebody act this way? They had to be think. They had to be feeling something to do this. Why were they feeling that? Well, they had to be thinking something to have that feeling. Well, why were they thinking that? Because something happened to them before, or because they've had some experience, and all that goes. I mean, just in real life, all that goes through us blindingly fast. And when it happens enough times, it's what they call a habit. You know, you just this is how you respond. And what we do in Pintaro under Cynthia's direction is, to me, it's it's taking that window and. Just really stretching it out, like she said, the you're looking in a window, which was part of the way we wrote the press release. Uh, in in one of the scenes I'm in, Rose and Son, um, it starts out uh, with me lying on the floor in the lap of a of another man, sobbing hysterically. So the lights come up, and that's well, it actually was the new direction. Yes, um, it's going to be. 
even before the lights come up, the audience will be hearing this. You know, and they'll be going, what is going on? And the lights come up, and here's this man lying on the floor, sobbing hysterically with a wet umbrella and a wet raincoat. Um, and the man who's holding him has got a cut on his lip. And it's like, there's a whole story right there, just in that first instant. And you walk, it's kind of as the audience, you just walked into it and said, what the hell happened here? And then it unfolds and goes to to its climax. And it's just great to understand the reasoning behind why these people would act that way. That's what makes them real. Because, you know, I, I imagine Rose and Son or uh, any of the other stories um, are fictitious. You know, I mean, there might be some truth. There's one in there uh, called, uh, what's the one with the priest? Uh, um, uh, the lovers. Um, <laughs> so sorry. This is sad. <laughs> I know. Rules of love. Rules of love. Where it, it, it's a priest taking confession. Uh, or Oh, but you can't tell anymore. No, no, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. No spoilers. You got to come to this thing. Um, that one might be, I was going to say, that might be based on his life because Pintaro was a priest who left the priesthood. So maybe there's something in there. But I can't believe these other stories are just like he knew people. He might have had some story, you know, he heard something or something crossed his mind, but they become real really for, those, fascinating. for those yeah. few minutes on stage. These because you, you, in what is it we said in the press release that you might not associate with these type of people in real life. You might not even like them, but you will come away from this play appreciating them for who they are. Yeah. Oh, Nick, I'd love to read this press release. Oh, written absolutely. by Go Scott. I, I, know, I But I would love to. <laughs> you. you. You're welcome. I can't. Uh, it just made me I'm so happy with it. Okay. Imagine walking through a New York City neighborhood in the 80s. As you wander the bustling streets and avenues, enveloped in its sounds and sights, open windows provide a glimpse into the lives of those who make up its pulse. Behind each door and through each window, a slice of life takes place, bringing you into it. As in any city, at any time, there is sadness, happiness, humor, anger, joy, and, in many cases, an essence of optimism. This specially curated collection of short, sharp, one-act plays, written by award-winning playwright Joseph Pintaro, spotlights a wide and expansive cast of characters, transporting you into a world where you might not associate or even like some of the people you'll meet, but you will wish them wealth for them and leave them with an appreciation of who they are and a better understanding of our common, shared humanity. Damn, that sounds good. That was very good. <laughs> I stumbled on a part there, but I just it's a, such a beautiful. Fun to hear somebody else read my writing. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the invitation, yeah. and and a, another part I, I, I that goes really without saying, but it hasn't been said as the quality of the acting in this space, the cast of characters and actors that have really stepped into it and reached for levels and levels of humanity and truth and fearlessness. And, uh, you know, we're getting to the point where I watch them and I get swept away because they're doing such uh, honest, 
uh, artistic, beautiful jobs. And I, it, and it has to be with Pintaro because what he does is he gives you a slice of life. And so if you don't commit to the, the honesty of that, then you're not truly invited into the world. Um, I could say a whole yeah, lot I, more. I, what he does, because each of these acts yeah. is about five pages. Yeah. Um, At the most. So yeah. fairly yeah. short act. Yeah, yes. yeah they, yes. they last anywhere from maybe eight or nine minutes to maybe 15. You know, and there's eight of them all, and they just string together. There's no common character or no common story, uh, just a common thread of slice of life. Uh, so you'll go from, you know, one neighborhood to another neighborhood, from two actors to three actors, from uh, a prostitute and a, a, Different dr economies, and a yeah. drug addict to yeah. upper class, you know, wealthy people. Um, and But what he does in these five pages, I, it just as I've read it more and more and as I rehearse my lines over and over and over again, um, is just the nuance that he brings. It's what makes him real. You know, it's, it's in some ways it's what makes him harder. You know, my character Rosenson is an old Jewish man and, and Jewish men back, especially in that day, didn't speak the same way. Like it wouldn't be like throw my gun in the river. It would be like in the river, throw my gun, you know, so that. And this is New York in the eighties. Yeah. So, so we have these uh, communities that tend to be more insular and tied to old world, you know, languaging, you know, learning English and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and as they, transition into uh, Americans. Um, so there's, there's this time that's just flavorful, and he certainly is of that time. Uh, and I think that that's kind of great. That you get your, your hands are, are it's come. You know, I, I, was, I was filming once in Canada in the wintertime, and uh, my family had gone back home, and I'm up, and it was very kind of lonely. You know, because it's between the times that I wasn't filming, I'd go out for walks. And I remember it was in fall time, and I was just walking to get some exercise just at dusk. And I remember seeing the windows open, that I couldn't step into the homes, but it was kind of like, you know, kind of lonely. But this, this one, it's kind of like that, only we are inviting you to look in the window. It's kind of has a voyeuristic feel, it does feel. Have not a in a creepy no, sort of no. way, but a way yeah. and a way for us to open our hearts mm -hmm. for what's going on with our neighbors, and therefore you can look at yourself and look at what and honor your experience also. And especially when with some of the characters again are not the type of. I mean, most of us I would assume don't associate with you know prostitutes and drug addicts and you know things like that. So you're. Initial biases will come up when you see these characters. It's like, oh, God. It, um, but it's, again, you'll see the humanity that, that you share with them. I was, we have, we're having a roof done. And again, how you don't expect certain things from certain people. And the roofer who we're looking to hire, I, he seems like a great guy. We wouldn't be hiring him at all. But he comes from a different world than I do, you know. And we're trying to schedule the time to do the roof. And I said, I'm going to be in rehearsal. And so, it's, and he goes, oh, what for? And I said, well, this, these two plays, or this play Pintaro. And I described it a little bit. And he goes, oh, so it's like Rent and without the music. I said, you know? <laughs> and, and then... He, Although Pintaro came before Rent. Yeah. But it, it was like, he was able... And I thought, wow, you know theater. And then he goes, oh, yeah, his, yeah, his exactly. wife, uh, her, her 
great-grandfather was in um, It's a Wonderful Life huh. and Gone with the Wind, and yeah. she's come from an acting family. And here's this guy I just wouldn't expect yeah. to be in this type of community, you know, yet he, he knew acting, you know, he knew actors, he knew plays. It was like, wow. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, uh, Did it's, you invite him? Oh, I will. Okay, uh, good. Yeah, no, I'll invite anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, me I'll too. stand on the street corner. Here, come on, do the play. I've already invited Nick, so yeah. Good. Yeah, Nick yeah I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. After we talked, uh, Scott was on last time and we talked about it, and it sounds like it's going to be very exciting. Oh, I'm curious to see what you feel. Yeah. yeah. You know. Is it a challenge coming from the acting side where these plays are so short and there's not as much to kind of flesh out a character? Is that a challenge or is it almost a beautiful thing because you have the freedom to build it out in your own vision? It's both a challenge and it is um, the beauty of it. Uh, and it, At least for me, because of the my experience in theater and I've had the opportunity to work in this format and I'm, I, I kind of, I, I have to say, my audition um what I was looking in my auditions, I I couldn't be as as much. Okay, we'll all come together and we'll put it on a show. These plays won't won't do what I want to see them do with that. So I really, um, it was a strenuous. I think is strenuous a good word for my audition. I don't know if that's I, quite I, fair. I enjoy, but, you know, I mean, I obviously only went to one of the auditions. Okay, the okay. But I thought the audition was, uh, in, when, when I went, I, I was asked to read for two parts, Rosen and then I think in uh, Bus Stop Diner, which is about a playwright and uh, uh, the director. director of a play. Um, and then you threw at us the surprise about, I want you to do this other role. The three, there were three men all about my age, and we're all in the play. Uh, we all got cast. Um, but, uh, then you said, do this role that doesn't have any speaking. Okay. Yeah. And I found it to be a very comfortable, supportive audition because I hate going to auditions. I'm, I'm nervous as hell about them. And, you know, I, I've, imposter syndrome is large in this one. Uh, it, it, <laughs> you know? it still reigns in me. Yeah. In, indeed. It yeah. does. It's like, it. oh my God, I'm going to stand on stage. And the cast that I'm with, let alone Cynthia, is like, do they know they let me in here with these people? <laughs> I mean. Well, I, I, I really worked with the actors and and asked them to read several things, and I had a sense about what I I wanted it to look like. But it's always a journey. But I also wanted actors that I felt could trust themselves um, to maybe do or go someplace that they haven't or might mm -hmm. feel uncomfortable with. Or and then it's up to me to articulate um, why and how and if you will come in this journey because we this is I've got, I I know what it is. Let's see if we can't step for this. I, 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 I can't even articulate it with you at this moment. But what it is is it's an it's a dance and it's trust. It's trust because they have to trust me. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, I have to, um, if I ask them to go in a different direction, then I've got to plead my case. And all I can, I mean, I could certainly offer my resume, but that doesn't, that doesn't last long. You know, the moment, you know, a director asks you to do something, you're like, what the hell is that about? So that doesn't last long. So I have to offer 
my experience, my truth, my passion, um, and make a case for it um, as the, the director. And we, we, we get somewhere that is truthful. And that's why having Scott or a particular person there, it becomes this thing that's beyond my vision, beyond their vision, and yet something... I can feel it, but you know, the actor can feel it too. Because by that time, they're up on stage, and it's like the four walls disappear, and they are just being, being truthful in imaginary circumstances. There we go. Thank you. <laughs> that's yeah. yeah, And they're there. And I, I have found, um, at least if, if I'm not right about this, nobody's told me about it, but uh, what I sense is we get to this place where we have created this world and this feeling and a kind of where are you emotionally and how are you going to listen to your partner and how are you going to dance in this moment, in this time, in this place, under this circumstance. And if we can get there truthfully and um, if the actors and or the and the directors can see the scope, the building, the structure of the piece. And I, I am uh, intuitive in this way that I, that I feel is what makes me a good actor is the feeling of the audience of understanding what is needed to bring a, a massive amount of people in some emotional state, given the beauty of the language, the beauty of the circumstances, the beauty of these souls, these actors that present themselves as conduits for this happening. And that can happen in music, somebody, a sing, you know, that singer that takes you to another place. That happens in acting too. Or even an artist that you go and look at the picture and, you know, um, I, I, I visited the Louvre. Uh, I was one time, and I just remember all afternoon just sitting in front of this painting called The Deluge. And I know, it just moved me. But those moments in art, and, and I, have, I have been privileged to have met artists, act directors, met actresses that, were so, that wiped me away so much, that had my body tingling so much that I'd have to run backstage and watch their work again and again and again. And I, I don't know if that can be produced but I follow my gut, I follow my heart, I pick people to work with that we can all kind of get that high. And it is, it's a very safe uh, workplace. Um, it's very trust. Yeah, I, yeah, when you talked about trust, I've said to Cynthia several times, she'll say, you okay with doing this? It's like, I trust you. Because I, I really feel like, at least in my roles, and I imagine most of the other actors probably feel the same in their roles, that it's... I mean, there's no nudity in the play, but it's, it's like standing up there naked, you know? I mean, I am doing, my characters are doing things that I hope, I, well, for one, certainly in Rosenson, I hope I never go through. Um, it would be a horrible thing to go through, but I have to go to that place and act as if it has happened to me, being truthful in imaginary circumstances or imaginary situations. And it's scary as hell. You know, I, I periodically I go back to my house and I think, 
I'm going to really do that. I could still probably call in and say, I've decided not to take the role, but, but it's very, With very, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't do it now. But no, it's, it's fear and excitement are the same feeling. It's just what you label them. You know, two people on a roller coaster, one's terrified, one's exhilarated and they're feeling the same thing. Um, so when I start to go, oh my God, I'm going to do this in front of a room full of people and I, wow. What an opportunity to create for me too. These two people, they will exist in and through me, and then they will be gone again. Because if the plays are ever produced again, and I imagine they will somewhere, whoever interprets them elsewhere will have a very different view. You know, I was in, <clears throat> I directed uh, at the beginning of this year, Never After Happily. I actually call myself the choreographer because my sister and her husband were more the directors. And, but I brought all the people together and did the basic framework and I was in it. And, um, and it was, <clears throat> excuse me, it was an opportunity to take people to a different play. I, at the beginning of that play, I would do an impromptu thing every time. And I would say, you know, had all, we did all these fun things. And then before we actually went into the acting part, I would say for the next 90 minutes, you know, you are in our care. Whatever troubles, whatever concerns, whatever worries you have, put them away because in our world, it's a land of magic wands and unicorns and fairy dust and welcome to our world. And then we would start the play. This is a very different feel from Never After Happily, which was uh, a fairy tale characters who have now aged. You know, so you got a 50-year-old Cinderella married to an old Prince Charming and, you know, things like that. Um, it was a very funny play and my sister Cindy, uh, does she go by Kobler or Marcus? I think she goes by Marcus professionally and her husband, Flip Kobler. Uh, they were the ones who put it all together. But this is the same thing. We're going to, you're going to walk into this theater and from the time you walk in until the time you leave, hopefully you will be transported and it will, you won't walk out in the same way that you did from Never After Happily, but you will walk out going, wow. It, it'll, it'll, it'll sit with you. You, you will you will have feelings and thoughts about it. And it's the type of play that I imagine you're going to go home and talk to friends and go, I, geez, I saw this thing last night and it was, wow. And that's about all you'll be able to say, you know, because they're different, they're different characters, but it's the trust of being willing to get up there and be these people for a while. And then, oh, I was going on with Never After Happily. It's going to now be played in Los Angeles. It got published, and now my sister's going to do, uh, direct it in L.A. Congratulations. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get down there to do it. Right. And I want to be, because I'm going to be directing a Neil Simon play. I'm directing Laughter in the tw on the 23rd floor. Okay. Calder asked me to do that. Right. I know, it's fun. Okay. Uh, that'll be. I think it's in March, so I'll probably be in rehearsal by that point. But I want to get down to see it, and it'll be very interesting to see how somebody else plays the role that I you was do. in. Yeah, yeah, then it is. You know, because I'm sure there'll be a part of me that's going, "No, no, that's not how you do it." He wouldn't have done that, but it, you know, it's you create these people, and then they disappear again. You know, I mean, unless it's some bio, but this, yeah. this is not bios. You know, but yeah, you got to trust your director and your castmates. You know, so, um, I, I really trust the people I'm working with. You know. Do you find that same kind of pull and take where you were in Pintaro back then and now you are directing it? Do you find that there's almost a little bit of friction in how it was performed when you were acting in it versus how you want to direct it? No, I, and I was fearful uh, because one of the pieces that I was in, I mean, he's written several little one-act plays. And we're doing eight of a uh, called Metropolitan Operas and there's 27 in this 
anthology, and he's got a whole other book of little one night plays. Uh, however, one of the pieces that I was in, I wanted to do, and and um, uh, it was very very interesting. In um, uh, Cynthia had to talk to Cynthia also, so that I could allow the actress to bring what she brought to this. To this, uh, so it's it's a very kind of it's a weird kind of therapy in a way. <laughs> but, and and as the truth that I ask her to bring, I've got to also put that mirror up to myself, um, so that we can dance together and create something new. Now, uh, and that doesn't let go of the wonderful experience that I had as d- doing it much younger. But now I get to see how this beautiful piece of writing uh, metamorphosis. Metamorphos- Which scene did you, were you in? Bird. Oh, you were Bird. Oh, my, that's the one that I'm in with. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, when we did the reading, I know you were playing uh, Doreen, uh, who is the other actor. Oh, my goodness. Okay. There we go. That fills in a whole lot. Yeah, know? yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's very, and so, yeah. Yes. But, and I've, I've got to do the work because it's not about... In fact, that would be very boring. And then I would also know that I'm not doing my work because the work isn't recreating what I did or the experience that I had. That is not the work. The work is to, in the way that I can kind of feel it out, is warning, watering this sort of artistic garden and of wildflowers. And let's see what's going to happen. Uh, however... Um, there's these seeds and there's these seeds, so it's different, and uh, and different people bring different things. That's the joy of theater. That's why we go to see Romeo and Juliet time and time again. That's why we go see Shakespeare because even though we've seen some mucky muck do it, but we want to see somebody else do it, see what they bring to it, even though we've seen the play before. And, and I don't know if the average person who goes to a theater, somebody who goes to the theater a lot, or somebody who's been in the theater would. I think they're going to know what I'm about to say, but for people who go to the theater, if a play runs X number of weeks, like ours runs three weeks over six weeks, so it's one week and then we're off a week and then we're on a week and then we're off a week, and so it's a three different weekends over six weekends. Uh, Liz Estrada is running in the in between space. Yes, um, but one of the things that I didn't realize when I first start, started to get into theater is even within that three-week run, or however long it is, the character you're playing grows and changes. I've been in several plays where I started out, or other actors started out with a certain way of doing the character, <clears throat> and then as you do it, either because you become more comfortable or something happens, <clears throat> and you go, Wow. Didn't think about that. And the character evolves. I was in, years ago, I was in Blythe Spirit um, at the Ferndale Rep. And uh, I was uh, the the person who played the medium or the the psychic in Blythe Spirit it was Willie Welton, as a matter of fact. That's when I first met Willie. Um, and she would come in and she was all airy-fairy, you know, and my character was a doctor. So he didn't believe in this uh, communicating with the dead. Um, and she would come up and she would try to shake my, or I tried to shake her hand and she would move her hand away because she didn't want to get the vibes all messed up. And one time when she did that, I, I, it's like I moved my hand, she moved her hand, and we did this thing with our hands just accidentally, you know, 
And it was the audience laughed, and we both went, all right. And that became a regular part now because the audience will respond. So they put their interpretation in, or you'll say something a certain way totally by accident, and you'll go, wow, that was a much better way to say that or move in a certain direction. And then people will go, you'll go, God. And, and all of the actors are going through that same arc. So this my incentive. You come to the opening night and then you come another show <laughs> because you'll see a different show. Because it's live. It's not, you know, on TV. It's not on film. It's, it's live. You know, we, unfortunately, sometimes you hear something in the audience. I was at one play once where there was some woman in the audience who had way too much to drink um, and was yelling at the actors, you know, it was like, that's bullshit, you know, and it's just like, and you, hello, we're really here. You're not yelling at a screen. We're hearing you. Uh, but on the other hand, you'll, you'll get an unexpected laugh and you go. I didn't see that. Or you'll see somebody, when we were at rehearsal the other night um, for my scene, one of the people who was there, who's a well-polished actor into her own right, she said the scene made her cry. And it was like, wow. I, you know, I didn't realize that. It was so emotional to her. It's like, cool, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's a great thing to be able to do. We need more people to do it. I think so. Yeah. Children. That's my only, okay, it's, uh, oh gosh, I'm jumping someplace else. Uh, you know, theater continuing and young adults having access to theater is one of the things that I'd like to see happen more and more. Um, Netflix is great. I am team cable streaming, I am. Uh, but it's different uh, to be in a darkened theater and to be transported for laughter or music or an emotional thing that takes you someplace else, makes you think. And a shared experience. As, and other a shared people are going experience, through it with you. exactly. Yeah. Um, and even teaching young adults how to be in theater and know how to be there, you know, and not have to, and not talk, or, or to respect that fourth wall. Because you don't get that by even going, a little bit by going to the movies, but, you know, but, or staying home watching cable. Uh, and, and also the experience, the shared experience, and keeping those doors open so that young adults or old adults um, can express themselves in a way that might offer something in their lives that is not offered anywhere else. And I would hate for that to end, you know. Well, when you see a great play, yeah. it's an incredibly euphoric experience. I mean, you're so present. You're in the audience with all of these people and you're just in the world enthralled in what is going on on stage. But if you see a bad play, <laughs> it can be pretty bad. And yes, I it think can. a lot of people go and maybe catch a not so great play and they say, well, I don't like theater. It's like, oh, but you just saw it. You wouldn't go to a movie theater and see one bad movie and say, oh, I don't like movies. Right. Indeed. Right. You say, oh, I didn't like this one movie. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, with theater, it can kind of get, you wrap it all together. Yeah. I don't really care for theater. Yeah. It's not my style. Yeah, but you only saw one play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we need to introduce it more and more. You know, I, know I could go on a whole yeah. hour's rant about, but I think it's necessary. I do. And I, it's, it's just something else that's offered that is not offered with film. And I've worked in film. I love film but that's a different medium when you can take that take uh 15 times over again to get it right yeah it's a different energy 
And that has its place too. Not knocking film, film, um, but theater. Uh, there's an adrenaline when you go on stage because <clears throat> there's there's no net. I mean, granted, nobody's going to die if something goes wrong, but you know, you get out there and you know, it's it's a domino thing. You know, you say something, they say something, they say something, they say you know, and and if anywhere down that line somebody messes up, it all the way. And part of it is the actors who you're working with <clears throat> have got to go. Oh crap! He went off script. Uh, how can I bring it back? Um, and uh, that adds an energy that, yeah, you can't get when you can say, I mean, you know, when we're in rehearsal, we can go line and somebody can yell us line, but when you're on stage, you, you yeah, don't you get, can't you can't do that. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't work that way. And when you hit it right. And, and in my opinion, I has, I have a point of view about how to direct it so that you more than not often hit it right. What is that? And it's a whole nother conversation, but it's like going to a sports game that you're caught up in, you know, and it's it's kind of the same kind of energy, but it's not expressed the same way. But you are swept up in, in it, and then you are swept up into this world that's being presented to you. And that's, I don't know, for me, that's the goal. That's the juice that I get from seeing a good play. And I remember so many times in my life seeing theater, and I just have to kind of walk around a bit, you know, to kind of contemplate whatever just washed over me or things that's making me think about or things that I'm angry about or things that are just so beautiful that my eye touches me so much in a way that I haven't been touched in the past six months, you know? And um, I don't know. I think that's a gift. I think that's a gift we give each other. I don't know. That's, that's what theater means to me, folks. You know, <laughs> that, that's, that's what that is for me, yeah. Is it... I mean, since you both have kind of acted in that directing role, what are you looking for when you, you've decided on what piece you're going to produce and now you have to fill the roles? Are you looking for someone who can go in there and maybe doesn't do the role in how you interpreted it, but can play it authentically? Or are you looking for a certain kind of structure and how they approach it? Or is it just, you're just waiting for that feeling? You're waiting for something to kind of speak to you and say, oh, that was interesting. Maybe we should see where that goes. Yes, that's with that the kind of innate conversation you're having with another artist that's stepping up and presenting themselves. And from me, there's a, there's you kind of give me a glimpse of what that is. And I'm hoping that I can even bring out some more or something that's surprising. And so in this conversation and this listening to what they're bringing and this dialogue, and also presenting. I'm, I authentically, I, I, you know, if there's something in my life that may be very personal, maybe something I won't talk about on radio, but in uh, a rehearsal, uh, in order to be authentic with the actor, I want them, I want to offer my authentic self. I'm not, I'm not asking this or trying to manipulate this. I'm just kind of being here and sharing the energy and my mindset for other, other, I loved what you just did. Yes, that feels like, right. So does that, that person that does that, is it authentic, real, that they would now do this after that? You know, what's the next step? What's the next part of the dance? How are you going to take me along? Oh, 
you said that, but I didn't really feel that you, you just said the line there. And I can kind of feel that. If you say the line, then now I'm stepping outside and I'm watching you. If you're feeling the line, then you're taking me along. You know, that's just. And it's on small actions many times at our last rehearsal for Bird, Bird of Ill Omen. Um, my character writes a note and um, Cynthia had said, <clears throat> you're, what you're doing with the note, I was folding it in half. She goes, looks like a director told you to do it. You know, it's like, really feel it. I mean, now stop and think about that. Really feel folding a piece of paper in half. You know, well, obviously with the content that's in it. But it's just those little touches, when you put them all together, make that authentic, authenticity. I, I won't speak to what it was like for me to direct because my direction was very different. I just tried to find people who would say yes. Um, who I really liked and trusted, and then knew my sister would fix up whatever I did to it. <laughs> that was a different tone. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that was not uh, um, something like this. But yeah, it's just, just small new. Back to the example of taking off the hat in a certain way, and then folding the paper in a certain way, and and the how you're standing when you're holding the paper. It's just if you look at people, they really do do that, but they're not thinking of it. And you as, as an actor, it's like, okay, this character, how would he, Mike AC, how would he do this? Uh, why would he fold this paper? Why would he stand there? Um, and I really like inhabiting those people because of that, you know, the, the reality of it. Yeah, the challenge of embracing what is actually happening at that moment in the scene versus making this just some robotic reproduction. Mm -hmm where you're just going through the motions and almost blacking out and filling this role. Yes, and Pintaro, uh, I, I've come to believe, and I've certainly experienced it, he almost writes in this poetic way. He captures these moments in people's lives, and I think the brilliance in them is not only the situations and the, the words that he puts to it, but he captures this feeling this moment in time that I don't feel is very exciting if you're just saying the lines. You kind of got to step in. got to step in that moment. You got to step in that time. Uh, and then you take me along with you. Back to how we started our whole conversation, however long ago it was, um, the difference between AI and human. You know, you could get an AI, I presume, to do all of this stuff, but it doesn't have the real experiences. It, it can't relate, I'm assuming. Um, it can't relate to what somebody would be going through in these, oops, in these particular situations. And you have to bring those along. And I, like I said, I, I, I'm getting redundant, but I just love doing it. I just, okay. it's cathartic. Um, it's exciting. Uh, it's scary. We'll put the two together. Um, it's a gift to be able to give a sense of emotion or feeling to people you don't know, you know, uh, I, that's, yeah. you know, people will walk out of there, um, and they will, they will feel something very different from what they'll feel with Liz Estrada. <laughs> truly, truly. And, and there is a lot of humor in Pintaro. I'll, yeah. I'll say that too. Yeah. It's like real life humor, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. And 
yes, this Estrada is a wonderful <laughs> romp of. Uh, my my roofer knew that play too. Oh, he good, said, yes, Isn't that a great yes. farce? It's like, oh my yes. God, yes. So yes. Liz Estrada, because we want people to attend both, obviously. Um, but Liz Estrada, which is directed by uh, Sean Wagner and A.J. Hempstead. Yes, indeed. Um, is the basic storyline is people, the, the women of Greece, however many thousand years ago, um, are tired of war. So in order to stop war, they withhold sex from their husbands until they stop fighting. And uh, uh, I haven't got to see a whole lot of the direction, um, but I've seen what some of the set design is going to look like. Uh, and it will be, let's see, how old were we this? Body. Body. Body is the word. Yes. That would do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just put it this way. We have two columns with round bushes at the base so uh, you know, with some and flowers in a certain direction um <laughs> but that's just you know that's just a farce um this is very very different but they'll both move people and they're both important yeah. i wanted to ask how did you because pintaro is a series of collections of single act plays how how did you come up with the ones that you chose was is there a certain theme that you kind of wanted to weave throughout them and these ones just seem to fit that you know, there was, there is a kind of journey in all of the plays that I didn't necessarily see in the very beginning. I read all the plays that I have access to, and there were certain considerations. First of all, I'd have to pick ones that I liked, because I didn't want to spend a lot of time with them unless I had some sort of passionate feeling about them. So there was that. And also, I wanted to pick a variety of people. I didn't want them just to be like all ingenues and like, you know, cute couples all over the place. I wanted different kinds of stories. So I wanted, you know, older men and I wanted older women and I wanted women to have um, roles together. I don't get to see a lot of theater where mm -hmm. it's just women in the scene, you know. Uh, so the, all of these considerations for today, for this time, what I wanted to go to see the theater for was really, it was very, very, my understanding what I thought of what I thought was entertaining. You know, so from the, the audience point of view, I looked at all those and I looked at them uh, 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 and I thought that they were, had something to say and, and the audience would find them entertaining in different ways. But I also had those different considerations of um, wanting to cast a, a wide variety of people um, so that we could see a wide variety of people on stage. Um, yeah, I just selfishly followed what I liked, and I put them together. And it is moving around some things and dropping some pieces uh, that I may do in the future. Who knows? Um, but this time, for a really interesting arc of theater, I thought I've picked out some interesting pieces. I think that's the approach you have to take. If you don't like it, why would you expect the audience to like it? Thank you for your words, Nick. Thank you so much. And it, I was thinking about this, and you said you kind of touched upon that. You know, it's, you don't want to be egotistical, but I'm, I think <clears throat> what I'm learning right now is to follow my gut and uh, stop the with the imposter syndrome. You know, by the time, and I remember promising myself, and yet I still step back in it, is that after I was nominated for the Tony on Broadway, uh, I said to myself, okay, Cynthia, give up this I don't know anything about the theater sort of BS, you know. You can no longer, that personality kind of has to sit back now because you're going to utilize what you know and it takes a certain, this is what I like, this is what I'm doing, 
Um, this is how I do it. Um, this is who I want to do, be doing it and go forward. And that's what every artist and anybody that's passionate about anything, that's what they go forward in it. Uh, being a radio person, you know, this is what you love to do and you're good at it. And you, there's some things that you can say. And as part of your bliss, which we started out because I was talking about my son, you know, <laughs> full circle. Um, yeah, you're following your bliss. And I, I got to say, <clears throat> so sorry, um, uh, as a mother, as a woman, as an artist, as a human being, um, I really want to be the example to my fellow human beings that to get up in the day and do something that makes you excited. That's the key. That's the only thing, the, the big secret that I've learned in all my days on this earth is that that's what makes life enjoyable. So I'm doing my part. And this is what it looks like. And yeah, I don't have to love it. But it's given with love. It's certainly that. And gosh, if we all did that for each other, sure. it would show up in so much a myriad of ways, but not to disrespect those people that are doing it. So that would be a topic for a whole other podcast, why people are not for, doing it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes yeah. and no. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a different subject, and yet it is the same subject, you know. What are you doing? What are you enjoying doing? I think it was, uh, I think it was Thoreau. I've tried to research this quote, find where it came from, but uh, I haven't been able to, but I heard it years ago. Um, the greatest sin of all is the number of people who go to their graves, their music locked within. Mm, there you go. There you go. Every day I'm getting older. You know, if a bus has me tomorrow, at least I'm, I'm following my bliss. Right into the bus. <laughs> right into the bus. <laughs> right into the bus. That, and I like another one that, you know, you don't <laughs> fail life. We never get a certificate saying, okay, mm -hmm. you failed. <laughs> you know, so uh, there's, there's always, you know, today until there's not. And this is, this is, this is what, gives me joy um and i feel i've done i've done some good things with it so here we go can we put a plug in for how people can get the tickets yeah yeah oh, oh yes oh i have to uh, before we do that i have to say lloyd richards was the director for two trains right it's been in my brain and i couldn't <laughs> it would be embarrassing for me to leave here and not say that man's man's name in all due places because he, he probably listens to the podcast yeah. i will i certainly hope that he yeah. does he's, and, he's commenting right now even from the grave <laughs> yes he is he's, he's, on, he's, he's on youtube making yeah. comments, <laughs> comments there we go so uh, pintaro opens this well they won't know this coming friday so august 18th which is uh, six days from now as we're recording this um and it runs august 18th 19th and 20th and then we're off for the next weekend when Liz Estrada kicks in, and then we come back again on September 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And then our closing weekend is the 15th, 16th, and 17th. Uh, the Sunday performances are matinees. The others are evenings. Uh, you can get tickets at NCRT, like North Coast Repertory Theater, ncrt.net. Um, and uh, if obviously it's we think it's worth going to several yes. times. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be good. I'm excited. Yeah, to see yeah. It. so it's easy to tell you guys put a lot of work into this. Yeah, so we're, we're yeah. proud of this. Yeah, so very much so. Okay, well, Scott, Cynthia, thank you both for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Oh, really, thank you, Nick. Absolutely, it's been a joy. Thank you.